This is Food First Michigan on News Talk 760 WJR. Sponsored by the Food Bank Council of Michigan, creating a food secure state, and by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan. Now here are your hosts, Dr. Phil Knight and Jerry Brisson. Welcome everyone, and thanks for joining us. Food insecurity is in your neighborhood. It is, seriously. I know this because researchers like Dr. Steve Borders, Dr. Dawn Opal, and Dr. Craig Gunderson have tracked it, measured it, and literally hunted it down to its doorstep. Food insecurity is everywhere. It's in every neighborhood. It is in every town, township, and village across Michigan. Sometimes it is plainly evident and other times not so easily seen. What food insecurity brings with it to every household that struggles with not having enough to eat is an overabundance of shame. Shame is a curse that holds people back. Shame is a weight that holds people down. And shame is a thief that steals their drive, ambition, and desire for a better tomorrow. Shame is the only true leftover from a food insecure meal. Shame is not humility. Don't even kid yourself. No one deserves to be food insecure or wondering what they will feed their kids tomorrow. Not in America and certainly not in Michigan, especially not in House District 40, served by Representative Mari Manugian. She is our guest today for the, this episode of Food First Michigan, the top-rated podcast in America focusing on food insecurity. Come back and join us in just a moment. Welcome back, everyone. As promised, Representative Mari Manugian is with us and from District 40. So, Representative, I'm going to say hello to Jerry because I see him every day, but <laughs> special welcome to you. Thank you for taking the time to be with us. We're so excited to have you. Oh, thanks so much. I'm excited to be here, too. Well, you and Jerry have some things in common here because uh, District 40 is uh, is your district. And um, I, I'm like maybe before you guys, we talk about food insecurity within the district. Um, maybe you could just share with our listeners um, who you are, how you became, you're in your second term as representative. And um, we're really proud to have you there and thankful for your support on this uh, huge statewide issue of food insecurity. Absolutely. So I'm State Representative Mari Manugian. I represent the 40th House District in the Michigan House of Representatives. Um, and as Dr. Phil said, I'm in the I'm in my second term. Um, and I ran in 2018 and then won re-election in 2020. Um, I grew up in the district, so the district includes Birmingham, Bloomfield Hills, Bloomfield Township, and an, a west or I'm sorry, an eastern portion of West Bloomfield. Um, and so I grew up in Birmingham, went to our public schools, um, and really come at this issue from sort of the 35,000 
thousand foot view. Um, my experience um, before I came to the legislature is at the United States Department of State. So my background's in international affairs um, and uh, security policy. And oftentimes we don't think of uh, food as part of security policy, but it's incredibly important. Um, you know, it's one of those things that's absolutely a need for all people, regardless of their background or their economic status. Um, and so understanding this challenge and coming at it from that perspective, um, I think really um, helps bring new ideas to the table. That's awesome. Well, and you're exactly right. Um, so, you know, I, of course, your background, I'm, I'm very familiar with, Jerry is too, and our listeners. And uh, so now, uh, everyone who listens to this show on WJR or to the podcast, which you'll be interested to know that we've just been named one of the top podcasts in America dealing with that focuses on food insecurity across the state. So now those fall, those folks are going to know there's another champion in you who uh, is working with us to just let's just get rid of this scourge of people having that toxic stress of what are they going to eat and what are they going to give their kids. And uh, I guess right. some people wouldn't really think that food insecurity would be in District 40 here in Michigan. Right. And I think that's a huge stigma that we have to overcome. It's something that, um, you know, as a state representative, I represent actually, and I think often about this in the perspective of um, our kids in our schools, because uh, that's often where you see um, programs that are uh, readily available or more available uh, to help combat food insecurity. So, um, you know, I think about the fact that we represent six different um, school districts in the State House District 40. So um, people uh -huh. of all, you know, various backgrounds and those uh, programs exist in different iterations across those six school districts. So that's a that's a uh, challenge that we think about all the time. Yeah, and interesting, interestingly enough, uh, looking at who participates in the uh, free and reduced school programs for breakfast and lunch, as well as the summer food service program and the child and adult care feeding program. All of those are metrics that we use to try to figure out where food insecurity is the strongest. And there is not a single school district anywhere in Michigan that doesn't have uh, households participating in those programs. And, and, of course, the purpose of those programs are because we know that in order for kids to do well in school, they have to be well-nourished. This is something that's that's no not really news, right? It's going all the way back to the 1940s, and, uh, and people really uh, looking carefully at that issue to say, wow, all we got to do is make sure kids have the right food and enough food to eat, and they do better in school. That seems like a pretty low-cost, high-benefit thing to do, right? So, so one of the things that we do is we try to say, not only in schools, but whenever you have households with school-aged children who are struggling to make ends meet and you can take that issue away for them, their kids do better. It, it improves behaviors in mm -hmm. schools. It improves even connectivity between families and schools when schools really embrace you know, things like the, the mobile distributions that, that food banks do at schools where a truck shows up once a month and families that are really in need can get that food and, and bring it home and prepare meals for their household. All of those programs have the same goals in mind, help stabilize the households, help the kids thrive. It's so effective 
for such a low cost. And, of course, we like to talk about the cost-benefit because it's so amazing. Um, and, of course, a lot of our, our work with the state of Michigan is directly connected to helping the state benefit from the cost-benefit of providing food to families. And I know I don't know if or when we're going to get around to talking about MASS or some of the other state programs that we have that are so important to us, important to families, but mostly important to kids. Absolutely. And, you know, I often think about um, the really good work that our Oakland County Commission has been doing. Um, the county has done some really great partnerships with United Way. The Better, uh, Better with Breakfast program is something that's been launched across our district and other state house districts in Oakland County um, to try to reduce that stigma that children have um, about receiving free and reduced breakfast and lunch. Um, and that's something that I think is, you know, one of the most important things, you know, finding that, you know, when you're speaking about that cost benefit analysis, the fact that we can provide a free breakfast to every child in Oakland County. County, um, is an incredible thing that we can do to help, you know, make sure their bellies are full when they walk in the door, um, but also know that, you know, even if, um, you know, it just makes it easier for those students to, when they're being dropped off or they get off the bus, to just grab and go and they've got that breakfast and there's no stigma attached to it because everyone's receiving the same thing. Yeah, great. It is really a great program. So, you know, maybe before we jump off this segment and, and uh, slide into the next one, um, you know, we do have a law in uh, representative in Michigan that is third grade reading by third grade, right? And uh, I know there's been some discussion about maybe pulling that law back. Um, and certainly, you know, that one of the mantras that we say or one of our bumper stickers here is that if they're not well fed, they won't be well read. And so if we're going to require that of our system, um, you know, all collectively, the educational system, parents, kids, everybody, then I think we've got to think about some of these basic life needs that people are struggling because they just can't be. So we'll, we'll maybe end this segment with your thoughts on that, and then we'll, we'll jump to another one. That's exactly right. I mean, I think, you know, again, with the, the Better With Breakfast program that I mentioned earlier is one of those things that we're trying to do in Oakland County to help uh, sort of stem that challenge. Um, but you're absolutely right. I mean, how can you expect a child to focus on learning to read or learning their phonics when they're starving? Um, and that's just yeah. something that we, we know is a challenge that um, students across Michigan face. And, you know, we're hopeful that we can see some more programs like this um, developed across the state. Um, you're right about the third grade reading law. Um, it's a it's a huge challenge that, you know, frankly, is a really tough thing to enforce, especially in some of our uh, lower income communities. Um, and so making sure we're able to at least provide um, some sort of uh, meal for these students so they're able to have that baseline is really critical. Well, I think you guys are setting the pace there in Oakland County for sure. We love that program. It's making our jobs a little easier. So we'll just stay working together. Let's take a quick break and come back. It's Jerry Brisson, it's me, Dr. Phil Knight, and our special guest, Representative Mari Manugian from District 40 here in uh, the state of Michigan. So we're back in just a moment. Come back and be with us. Contact the Food Bank Council of Michigan at fbcmich.org. Now back to more Food First Michigan with Dr. Phil Knight and Jerry Brisson. Welcome back, everyone. Representative Mari Manugian is our guest today. Um, Representative, you know, we've been trying to do this. You know, your schedule's crazy. Um, and, you know, ours isn't much better. 
but we were we were dead set to get you here um, because I know that this issue of food security, particularly for children, particularly for seniors, working families, is a uh, what do I, how do I say it? Is is a passion born in you out of compassion for people, um, and and you, who introduced us was Representative Angela Whitwer, and 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 and. Representative Whitler, Whitler said, this is a champion. This is something that means so much to her and her leadership here in the House, but also just, I think, just in the essence of who you are. So thanks for making the time for us, and thanks for what you're doing. And I think that you and Jerry are working on some, um, some, some have some, some commonality here of, uh, of where food is getting distributed and by whom. Yeah, uh, so the first thing I want to go to is Seaholm because the fact of the matter is Seaholm runs one of our biggest food drives of the year and has done that for so long, and that's, of course, where you went to school. And so, so I mean, you've, you've at least participated or been part of that, you know, ever since you were a kid, and so that's great. I mean, I love yeah. it when people have those connections. So I think what you're referring to is Sea Homes Field Day, um, which is a it's an event that we sort of do instead of homecoming. So I, I graduated from Sea Home High School in 2010, and for every four year every year uh, for four years, students uh, team up in their grade levels and they participate in the Gleaners Food Drive um, as part of our competition for Field Day. So we compete freshmen versus sophomores and juniors versus seniors, um, and this component of um, giving back to the community is a critical part of the field day competition. Um, it's something that really uh, gets everybody involved um, across, you know, across the entire high school, whether you play sports, you write for the newspaper, it doesn't matter what your extracurricular activities are. It's a, it's a team building uh, thing that we do together to bring the, to unify the school at the beginning of the school year, uh, right around when homecoming usually would be. Um, so yes, the, the Gleaners food drive is uh, one of the really um, big important parts of being a student at Seahome High School. School. All right. Now the question is, did you win every year? So I think we won like two of the four years uh, that I competed. Um, I mean, we made good. the mistake of, I, I'm a decent athlete, but we made the mistake of putting me in a three-legged race competition once, and I don't think we'll ever do that ever again. But... I'm very I'm very small. I'm only five feet tall, and so finding a partner that's the same size as I am was a challenge. <laughs> so I don't think we'll do that again. But we did do well with uh, collecting food for cleaners. So I will say that I think people should put me in charge of that and not the other stuff. <laughs> well, I. I... I, I will say this, obviously those kind of community efforts go a long way to helping people even understand that this issue it exists in the community. And I remember being out there with uh, Fox News actually um, talking about why does the school make a priority of doing a food drive? You know, and, and it was always really impressive to me at the school how many um, teachers and faculty and students knew, you know what, there are kids who are struggling right here in our school. And as you said, one of the things to, to remove stigma is to help people understand they're not alone. You know, that, that people run into a bump in the road from time to time. And that when that bump comes, 
having some assurance that there's some place you can go to make sure, especially for parents to feed their kids, but even for kids at school to get, like you said, the, the, the free breakfast, it, it gives an option that's so important to them. And so, I mean, to, to be exposed to that for, for a good part of your life is a wonderful thing in terms of, uh, well, I guess we're getting the job done all the way around, right? Um, so, so as you as you look then at that experience and start thinking about how it influences your thinking as you see legislation come through and as you see, because there's so many priorities in your work and so many, it's hard to even even get on top of half of them, let alone all of them. So I know you have staff that help you and you have, you know, people like Dr. Phil that helps you. So, so how do you see the, the issue of food security playing out as you're kind of grappling with all the priorities you have to grapple with? So I think as we sort of emerge from the COVID pandemic um, and try to take stock of what has happened in the past year and a half, um, and understand the fact that you know this pandemic really laid bare some of the, the massive inequalities in our society. Um, it's really important that we uh, come up with some targeted solutions that will help you know really usher us out of the pandemic, but do things that we can have that can have a lasting impact as well. Um, and so, you know, to your point about Sea Home High School, um, they also worked with Gleaners um, to make sure we were getting those students who needed that support during the pandemic. Uh, worked to make sure they were able to get food boxes in a way that was discreet and allowed them to continue to get. Um, the the help that they needed without feeling as though they um, were being stigmatized by the community. Um, and so I think having that lens when we go to make policy, understanding what some of those barriers to entry are for folks who uh, maybe need some of these supports um, is really important for us. And so with, with that being said, you know, we also in our in Birmingham um, also have a really successful farmers market that is incredibly well attended. I actually just went with Representative Kyra Bolden, who represents Southfield, a neighboring district. Uh, we went there last week. Um, and one of the things that we can do as policymakers is to extend that double up food bucks program uh, to make sure that that partnership between our local farmers and our residents is there. Um, it's something we can do to continue to promote local farming in Michigan, um, which is another, you know, sort of economic challenge that we face, um, you know, making sure that our local farmers are supported, but also understanding that, um, you know, getting those healthy foods uh, into the bellies of our, our children and our seniors, uh, folks who may need that extra support. Um, there's ways that we can support two, even two different, um, you know, communities that really need us. You know what? One of the things I'd like to chat with you about, Representative, is um, your is your your family history, uh, because it's so. You know, we probably need a whole segment for this, but but what you just described there is kind of the shame that people experience. Um, you know, when you read your history and your family, I mean, you're a a uh, third-generation Armenian-American. Uh, your grandparents came here to ex uh, escape the Armenian genocide. And, you know, those are, you know, uh, I, like, I've lived yeah. all over the world, and I've seen this. <laughs> I've seen it, and it's, uh, I just wonder how that, your heritage shapes you to have this sensitivity to people who maybe like people would think they got drive through Birmingham. Ah, no, food insecurity's not here, but we know that it is. The research tells us that. So I just maybe tie that in for me to and how that that has made you who you are. 
Absolutely. So, um, you know, as Dr. Phil said, I'm a descendant of Armenian genocide survivors. And so there's a couple of ways. I mean, there's some major things that really, um, you know, my family's history has sort of shaped my outlook on public service and the work that we do here. Um, but I will also say that, you know, uh, when my family came to this country, um, you know, my, my folks didn't speak English. Um, and so one of the ways that they could be involved in the economy was um, to rent farmland. And so uh, they rented farmland in Monroe. Um, they sold vegetables and fruit in the in the street, um, and they were you know they were street vendors, and that was something that was um, something that they were able to do to support their family. And that tradition of um, agriculture, that tradition tradition of farming, actually has carried through um, multiple generations. My grandfather uh, was an avid gardener. It was something you know when he was a kid, he was helping his parents do this to su support his family and. Uh, he's passed that on to my sister. My sister has an enormous garden uh, that she loves and, and cares about. And so that's something that, you know, when we think about the history of, um, frankly, the importance of food in, in an Armenian culture and in Armenian life, um, you know, we think about it um, from multiple perspectives, whether it's inviting, you know, folks over. My, my house was always a place where, where people gathered from our community. So um, I was always, my home was always the house where, like, kids from high school would come over and have lunch at our house and my mother would feed them and make sure everybody was good to go to go back to school. And so, you know, that's a really important part of our culture. Um, but to your point, um, I think another really important thing when it comes to food insecurity is the work that the state of Michigan did to support Armenians who were starving. So folks may who are listening to this may remember the concept of the starving Armenians. Um, that was a really big um, campaign that was launched by the Near, uh, Near East Relief Foundation um, about basically making sure that Armenian children uh, in the United States and then uh, abroad were able to be well fed um, because uh, the genocide obviously um, destroyed our homeland. And so um, that's, you know, Michigan donated, I, I think, something between like 15 and 18 tons of uh, flour uh, to Armenians who were starving. And so um, this state has a culture of making sure that those who need uh, resources, need food resources, are able to get those resources. Um, and so that's something that I think about all the time when I, when I tackle this issue. Well, I don't think you can read your family, Sister, read your bio, which I encourage everybody to do at your website, um, and, and not see this come through. And that's one of the reasons we wanted to have you today. Let, let's take a quick break, but we want to come back and spend just a little bit more time with you if you, if you have it. And um, we're going to um, explore a couple of other aspects of food insecurity with Representative Mari Manugian, Jerry Brisson, and myself, Dr. Phil Knight. We're all three back. Don't you go far. First, Michigan. Once again, here's Phil and Jerry. Welcome back, everyone. We're here with Representative Mari Manugian and Jerry Brisson, myself, Dr. Phil Knight. Uh, representative is from the 40th District of Michigan, which is, I don't know, it's got to be the greatest district in the, in the, of all the districts uh, in it Michigan. Sure and, is. Uh, sure is. There you go. I, I, I knew I was going to get. Uh, some uh, some good reaction. So, um, you know, part of the reason we wanted to have you on is because we do have and enjoy a great partnership with the state of Michigan, both in the administration and the legislature and all of the departments, pri primarily, you know, Department of Health and Human Services, the Michigan Department of Education, and then, of course, MDARD, the Department of Ag and Rural Development. Um, we, we, we do that with them at a 
at, at different levels. Um, but one of the big programs we have that you guys kind of decide how much funding is associated and is our MASS program, which is the Michigan Agricultural Surplus System. And uh, just thinking about return on investments for state tax dollars, our average cost is about 12 to 14 cents a pound. So we're a heck of an investment. Uh, we we can buy a lot of Michigan produce and dairy um, with uh, with this grant that is that comes to us, and uh, so we want to first of all say thank you for your support of this program. It was the first of its kind in America. It's been copied by 39 other states now, and uh, but you guys make sure that this this line item is funded. And uh, we can't thank you enough for the difference it makes to our Michigan farmers and as well as the families we serve. I, you know, it's one of those really important things that Michigan can often say that we're a leader in some things that are not so great, but this is something that we can be really proud of. Um, and, you know, the, I am grateful that we have something like this, obviously. But I think that something else that we can do to make this program even better or create something else or extend another program that will be um, even more supportive is just making sure that um, we have to have approaches for that last mile food distribution, right? So making sure that, mm -hmm. you know, when those purchases are made from our farmers, um, that we're able to get home delivery um, and other food distribution opportunities. Um, so that way we can, you know, make sure that that food is getting into the bellies of folks who need it. Most people not in, in food banking and direct service work don't don't hear the term last mile, right? <laughs> so So just to kind of flesh that out a little bit, when you think of the logistics of the food supply chain, the very first mile is, of course, the growers, right? That's where everything starts in the field, right? And so you start in the field, and then from there, it goes through a number of processes. Some goes from the field right to people through, for example, your farmer's markets and your your roadside stands even, right? I mean, so so you see some that way. But most food goes through a process where it gets purchased by a wholesaler and then goes to a retailer of some kind and then ends up in somebody's house because they've gone to that store. In in food bank work, of course, a lot of the food supply chain, our goal is to take the economy out of everything we can, right? We want to get the <laughs> lowest possible cost for the highest possible possible return, and that means starting at the first mile and going right to the last mile. So you get rid of all those miles in between, right? So that's where that term last mile comes from, is you've got a lot of processing that happens to most food, and the very last thing that happens is it gets to people who then consume the food. So so I, I agree with you, that, that place, the last mile is so important, not only because ultimately people get the food to consume it but it's where dignity happens right the the last mm. mile is where the consumer of the food has an experience with somebody who's getting that food to them and when you're talking about stigma of course that's where it's most felt or not depending on how that distribution directly to them is set up so of course home delivery and particularly we see that need among seniors 
But there's also people who struggle with transportation who who have a really hard time figuring out how can I get this food that I need? And and with with all kinds of innovation happening in technology and in autonomous vehicles, and we we actually do have an autonomous vehicle program that's being piloted right now as a way to provide home delivery at at a lower cost. And we don't know where that's all going to head, but fundamentally, the last mile encompasses all of those complicated things that but but yet um is really where people feel the most respected it's where they feel the most i'm gonna say cherished right because food um is it it, it demonstrates value and when you're giving somebody food you talked about people coming to your house it when the reason you give them food it's because it's how you tell them you love them right and so much the last mile is where the love is and and sure that's, is. that's why it's so important so 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 is there something coming up for you on that last mile stuff is there is there something interesting going on so obviously we're still in budget negotiations so i would say stay tuned on all of that um you know we're working through the fiscal 2022 budget um and so you know one of the things that i think could be an interesting um, policy opportunity for us to look at whether it's in this budget or even in policy um in the policy arena separately from the budget um is sort of helping um, communities develop um, a process for when there's a sort of emergency, because oftentimes you have folks that may not be food insecure who suddenly find themselves food insecure, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, they're experiencing something they've never gone through before, whether it's a natural disaster or, you know, with the pandemic and everything. Um, so helping to have local communities create these processes um, that are emergency response plans that can be done through the county, um, develop some sort of data sharing. Um, so we have a better understanding of where um, what I would sort of consider to be sort of crisis food insecurity, where it, it pops. Um, it's not something that may have been there previously, so it's not a data point we would have otherwise had. Um, better understanding and mapping that out so we're able to respond effectively. I love what you guys said. That's where the love is. I mean, that's how you you really do demonstrate to people uh, their value. And I think that that's the, the beauty of food, certainly from your culture, certainly from the cultures that I've experienced across this world that that when the first thing in a village in East Africa, we could go today that where we built schools, the first thing they're going to do when we drive in is they're going to go get what little food they have and they're going to go prepare it and bring it for us because they want to communicate value. And that's, that's the power of food. Well, Representative, thank you for being with us today. And, uh, you know, it's your time. Uh, it's your talent. It's your treasure. It's, you're doing it all. Um, but the investment of your one handful of life as a public servant and to highlight these issues that affect, mm, I'm, I'm going to say, the, the folks that, that really need our attention the most, the uh, people who are struggling with food insecurity for themselves and their family, um, it's inspiring to us to have a champion like you to partner with. Oh, and the work, I mean, the work that you guys do makes this an easy issue to champion, right? I mean, it's something that, um, you know, every time you show us um, and you're able to help us make that case that this is, 
um, you know, not just the right thing to do, but it makes economic sense. I think that's something that people, you know, really, especially in our district, um, really value having that understanding that this is good policy and that there's demonstrated, um, proven, that that it's proven to be good policy across the board. Um, And you guys do a phenomenal job of helping us make that case that, you know, this is something that we have to do to make sure that, you know, our economy thrives and that people are successful and happy and healthy, which is what we're here to do. Well, thanks for taking the time. She's Representative Mari Manugian. She's from the District 40, 40th District of Michigan. And uh, she's she's there standing in the gap for those that we serve. So thank you for being with us. Thanks for having me. Jerry and I are back to wrap up this edition of Food First Michigan in just a moment. It's Jerry Brisson and Dr. Phil Knight here to wrap up this edition of Food First Michigan. Jerry, Representative Mari Manugian, um, you know, I, I, come on, I hadn't heard very many people outside of food bankers use the term last mile. She gets it. Yeah, that was nice to hear. Uh, we all we use that term a lot, and we explained it already. But uh, but you know, we 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 talked about how the last mile is where the love is, and and so it really it's a reminder to me to thank our agency network partners in the state of Michigan. There's over three thousand. Uh, agencies that we work with. These are mostly pantries, but it's pantries and schools and shelters and and soup kitchens. It's the people on the street who are helping whoever comes to them uh, get the food they need. And and I'll tell you what, um, the vast majority of that group of, of, of people are volunteers. They're taking time out of their own day. They are not getting paid and they are doing the right thing just because it's the right thing. And they are so concerned to treat people well and to be kind and you know we talk about this work as holding somebody's hand as they're going through a rough patch you know and if you've ever had to you know walk on a balance beam or or anything even like that you know how much it means if someone's holding your hand while you're walking down because mm-hmm. otherwise the odds of falling off get pretty high now maybe for for all of you listeners you're all way more coordinated than I am and you're going what are you talking about but anyway uh it is the these are the people in the last mile these are the people who see people every day who care about them every day who give them a dignified experience every single day and and we owe them a huge debt of gratitude for that service well one of the things too i i want to mention and i appreciate you thanking the network because you know that is the 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 touch that's where people feel uh you know cherished uh as you said it's it's where the love happens so it, it it's um we know that food brings hope we know that food brings stability we know that food brings empowerment we know it brings health. We know it brings economic value to a home. Um, but all that's delivered with hands, and and hands bring hope. And so I'm I'm thank you for do, reminding all of us that there are a lot of volunteers that come to our food bank network. Um, all seven feeding America food banks in the state. They donate hundreds of thousands of hours of their time to help us sort food and prepare the food. And then uh, there are people who help us get it to the last mile. Uh, the last mile, last minute. And uh, I think it's, it's vitally important to our success as a network. 
The other thing, too, Jerry, I wanted to maybe touch on as we close the show is uh, Representative Manugian uh, grew up in Birmingham. And I don't think any of us who've driven through Birmingham rarely ever thought of, had the thought about food insecurity run through our minds when we were driving through Birmingham. But you said there's not a school district in Michigan that does not participate in the free and reduced breakfast and lunch programs, and that's a really good indicator about food insecurity for an area. Well, yeah, that's just a reminder. To qualify for that program, you have to be at 180% of poverty or below, right? So you say, well, gosh, what is that? Well, it's $24,000 for a family of four, right? <laughs> so so it's, it's, I mean, that's not a lot of money <clears throat> to be, if you're at the poverty level, there's a reason they call it the poverty level, and 180% of it is still not very affluent. And yet, for the most people they do have work you know they mm-hmm. do they are they are doing what they need to do to to try to make the ends meet without asking for help and i know i've said this before but it's worth repeating people wait too long to ask for help as a general yeah. rule people wait too long and when you're in an affluent community where you don't want your your kids the parents of your uh, kids friends to know that you've asked for help because it's embarrassing and and that's you know there's a certain having some pride in ourselves is a good thing but when sure. that pride prevents us from getting the food we need and especially if the reason for that is we haven't thought carefully enough about how to get that food to people in a way that's acceptable to them well shame on us if we're not doing that so it was nice for representative Manugian to talk about the drive-through distributions during the pandemic because all you had to do is get in line get the food and get home and it was it was very um, intentionally set up so people wouldn't have to be embarrassed it, uh, and and those are really important concerns well Jerry time for a little food for thought In my mind, food security is best represented by a table. A table plenty. A table full of food, like at the holidays, where everyone is satisfied and filled with enough. Food insecurity is best represented by an empty bowl, plate, or maybe a dish coming out of the oven that's almost empty, but with only enough ingredients that make up a dish called never enough. What never fills the stomach of hungry children wells up and overflows in the hearts and the minds of their parents is shame. And as I said, shame isn't good, it isn't healthy, but it is always long-lasting. At the Food Bank Council of Michigan, our network's vision is to ensure everyone who needs food gets food in a dignified manner. We always want the food we share to give a lift and never add to their load. We can all look across the fence, the yard, and down the street to see if our neighbors are struggling with a lack of food. And if we do that and help, we will indeed keep food first, folks. Food first. Food First Michigan, presented by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan and by the Food Bank Council of Michigan, creating a food-secure state.